Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. The governor answers your questions. Utah's most important issues on Let Me Speak to the Governor. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to the governor being here in studio to field all of our questions. And let's go down to Utah County in Provo. Al is on the line. Hi, Al. Hi there. Hi, Governor. Hi, Al. Anyhow, basically, I want to ask you about one of the bills you did sign into law, and I'll preface it by saying I support it entirely. I just want a little bit of clarity on it's a bill you signed allowing locks on classroom doors, and I assume I'd I didn't read, I just read the article and it didn't get specific. I assume it's like a two-way key lock so the good guys can get in from either side. At least I hope that is. You might enlighten me on that. My question is, do you think this would escalate to other areas of the schools? I don't want to get paranoid, but uh, uh, if somebody's bent on, on, uh, you know, uh, blowing people away, doing harm to themselves or others. There might be many other rooms, bathrooms, janitor's rooms. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where yeah. it all stop? All right, Governor. Well, that's a good question, Al, and it really goes under the umbrella of a, a larger scope, and that is what are we doing to make our schools safe? Uh, we certainly all agree, I'm sure, that uh, all of our students should have the right to go to school and feel like they're going to be in a safe environment. Parents should feel good about their children going to school that's going to be a safe environment. And teachers should have the same feeling of going to a safe environment where they are called upon to teach, nothing more but just to teach. Uh, We've, in fact, asked for a complete review uh, of what we're doing in our state after the Florida shooting. We've contacted the superintendents. We actually have a report coming back. Some of them, we have some information partially back. But, uh, for example, they are doing their, their fire drills. They're doing their active shooter drills. So... Uh, they know what to do if something untoward happens. But we're also expanding that to say, what do you local school boards, we have 41 of them elected by the people, as you analyze, as you principals analyze your uh, unique architecture of the schools, they're not all the same, and their locations, what are we doing right, what should we be doing better, and what we should we be doing more So we've put more money into resources so that the local school districts can say, well, we want to have more of a a law enforcement presence. Half of our schools have that already, but maybe the others will want more. We're certainly talking about uh, restricting access to a single point and maybe have magnetometers, metal detectors, uh, some kind of screening process so we know who's on campus. And one of those things that came out is can we put the school on lockdown if we need to? And it's not just one lock. It's, you know, whatever the local districts want to have as far as their ability to, in fact, in a moment's notice, lock down the classroom so that the bad guys can't get in and there's safety. So that's that's uh, there's no one size fits all on this. It's a matter of we want this bottom up and the, and the local communities to tell us what they need and what they want and then make sure that we give them the resources necessary for them to implement that program. And by the way, I, I feel very good about what's taking place. 
and I'll have a report that will be finalized probably by the end of this month, the first of next month, which will give me a view of all the schools in our 41 districts and how they're doing and what they want to do in addition. So I think we're headed in the right direction there. Governor Ethan is on the line from Roy. Ethan, there you go. Hi. Hey, you guys got me? Yeah, we got you, Roy. Welcome. All right. Hey, um, I'm a uh, Mormon Democrat living in uh, Roy. I got some uh, family members who are going through some tough times. My mom has a fibromyalgia. I was wondering if you support any uh, medicinal cannabis bills and which ones do you support? Well, the the idea of uh, medicinal use of marijuana is one that I think most people support. There may be some out there that don't. I support the me- uh, medical use of marijuana. I just think we need to make sure we understand what it does and does not do, and that requires some scientific research. We are actually doing some here at the University of Utah, and I'll have a report on that probably next month on what they've been able to discover so far. I've been critical of those in the past administration that were willing to turn a blind eye to the federal law, which is still on the books, by the way, and just say whatever the states do, uh, picture Colorado for recreational marijuana, we'll just ignore the law. I don't think that's how you do things. I think if, we, if the law needs to be changed, let's change it. And let's take it off the Schedule One list so we can actually have a free reign of doing the scientific research and find out not by just anecdotal story, but as a medicine and a controlled substance that will be prescribed by a doctor, distributed by a pharmacist, as we do all medicines, so people don't self-medicate, so that we know that we have the quality that we want to have in this medication and uh, the right and proper dosage that should be given based on whatever the illness uh, is. Uh, That's what needs to happen. That's what we're trying to make happen here in the state of Utah. Along with that, we've also, uh, in fact, have legalized the use of cannabinoid oil for those who have seizures. I have a sister that has a daughter that has seizures. She gets has access to this uh, cannabinoid oil. It's had, you know, really marginal success. I don't know if she'd consider it anything that's been really a very positive thing. But at least we've, we know for people out there that have that issue of seizures, there's, in fact, the ability to try cannabinoid oil. We also have passed a legislation on a right to try, we call it. So those who are terminally ill uh, can try experimental medications, including marijuana, to see if it will help them. And so we've passed that to give entree, at least for people to, to look for some hope, you know, in, in different areas, and that would include marijuana. So we're taking steps. I think we're going in the right direction. I would hope that it would uh, hasten, you know, we'll find out what the report comes out of the University of Utah. It's disappointing that the administration for eight years was critical about this and said we, recreational use of marijuana should be allowed and then did nothing about finding the scientific basis for medicinal use of marijuana and changing the laws to help it, that scientific research be completed. We're past that now. I think we're moving in, in a good direction nationally and certainly in the state of Utah. Let's go to Jerry, who is on the line in Salt Lake City. Jerry, say hi to the governor. Good afternoon, Governor. Good afternoon, Doc. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. Good to have you here. I have the taboo question of the year. <laughs> okay, what is that? Utah remains only one of two states, including Hawaii, that does not have some form 
of legalized gaming. The last study that was conducted in 2013 concluded that it would bring an estimated $142 million into the coffers of the state of Utah, more than enough to finance the entire school budget for the entire state for the entire year. So my question is, since we are no longer a 70% dominantly controlled religious state, it's down to about 52% of the last kind of unofficial tally, and there are a lot of people that come from states that have that. Why are we dragging our feet? Well, let me just say, I, I'm not sure you've got the right numbers, uh, and far be it for me to correct you, but our school budget uh, on education is probably closer to $4 billion now. And so $142 million, although a significant number, is uh, not quite going to be able to pay for our education budget that we do Sixty-six uh, percent of all of our state portion, of the budget goes into education. So it's a it's a pretty big number. Um, I know we've had the discussion and the debate. The last time we had a very serious discussion about that was back when Governor Levitt was uh, uh, governor. And uh, the the culture here, uh, whether I don't know what the percentage of LDS is, and maybe it doesn't even matter. Uh, but certainly, the overwhelming majority of people at the time uh, did not want to have gambling doesn't mean they were opposed to it but they didn't want to have it and it introduces a lot of other things that cause concern if you have paramutual betting my father used to race horses thoroughbreds and tracks and he was opposed to paramutual betting in utah because of the unintended consequences of what happened and we'd have casinos on on native american reservations Maybe that's a good thing or a bad thing, but that's uh, some of the uh, outcomes of introducing any kind of gambling. We have talked with people that have gambling in their backyards, and and you'll get mixed messages on uh, the benefit of having it. It may reduce, it may in, increase some income, but there's also the uh, negative side of increased crime. And uh, people that are on low income that are wasting their money on a, a hope and a prayer and a one in a million chance of getting some money gambling. So it's not all upside. There is a downside to it that needs to be factored into the discussion. And um, again, I, I think uh, I'm not afraid to have the discussion. Like I say, my father used to race thoroughbred horses at uh, different tracks around the Intermountain West where they had paramutual betting. And uh, so I understand the gambling a list a little bit from that standpoint, um, but you've got to get legislature to in fact introduce it or an issue petition, I guess, if you wanted to introduce gambling in the state of of Utah. Are you seeing anything on the horizon at all? Any rumblings? I haven't heard a, a thing on that for no. years. Serious, nope. and that's why Jerry says I'm going to bring the taboo question. I guess yeah. because uh, right. nobody's talking about it, and it doesn't seem like there's any energy out there. Maybe it'll come back. At, you know, we have the ebbs and flows of different policy questions all the time. Uh, the last time we really had any, uh, I think, big debate on this was during Levitt's term. All right, let's take a break here at the bottom of the hour. Governor Herbert staying with us for another half hour to field your questions. And uh, Curtis and Jason, and I think we have Mike and Chad and everybody else. Uh, we need a few women on the line here with uh, your questions as well at 575 